Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time, work, Friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7? Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes it himself. Looking dark back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs. Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established the Past podcast presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Level. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and uh, we are back to talk about more free agency. But uh, specifically, Dylan, we are back to talk about uh, the biggest winners and the biggest losers thus far in free agency. Um, it's been interesting, as we said, as it is all the, every year, pretty much. It starts off... Uh, you know, with a bang, and you get a lot of big moves right away. Um, things have sort of slowed down a little bit since then, but there are still some some big free agents out there, I'd say. Uh, you know, several in particular. We'll talk about some of those. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's played out as we expected from a, a craziness standpoint. Uh, maybe not so in terms of, of picking where some of these guys are going to wind up. Yeah, no, uh, definitely that the first three days were just ridiculous in terms of what was happening. It only amped up by the fact that nothing else is happening in the sports world. So uh, the NFL was the only one got the got the leading spot. And yeah, I did not disappoint in terms of the madness. It's uh, as I kind of said at the end of our last podcast, if you look at the where some of these guys have ended up. Uh, and you, you told someone that, you know, a year ago, they just think it's ridiculous. It's just, <laughs> it just doesn't really make much sense. But uh, at the time, but now as you know, we work through it and uh, all these fits, I mean, they really, I mean, as surprising as they are, you can understand them when you actually look at the, from a football perspective and especially obviously the Tom Brady one, but even beyond that, some of these other moves that the guys have done, uh, or, or as we get to in this uh, podcast, I think a lot of them make sense. And there are some teams that made uh, really questionable decisions, but I've not really, uh, sure that we're surprised that Bill O'Brien is one of those names in that list. Well, let's start with the biggest winners, and uh, Bill O'Brien not going to be included in that group. Um, we will get to him in a bit. But uh, I, I think it's safe to say that if we start with the biggest winners, we're going to start with wherever Tom Brady landed, and, and that was with the Bucks, um, a team that, as we said, and, and we, we laughed and went back to how we – we were sort of suggesting that destination for him from the very beginning because it just made sense given the weapons he had there. Um, and then, you know, for them to sign him, uh, I think it's clear that there's another team that I think we probably put right there next to him, and we'll get to him in a second, but uh, mm -hmm. you have to put the Bucks. They're, they're either 1A uh, or 1B probably when it comes to, to the biggest winners thus far. 
Yeah, absolutely. Getting someone like Tom Brady is not doesn't happen very often <laughs> that you get a one, uh, you know, a legendary quarterback still playing pretty well. I mean, we can talk about whether he's uh, still uh, at his peak. I, obviously, I think he's past that, but that doesn't mean he can't be insanely good. He's still really, really good at, you know, obviously no one's better at reading defenses. But in terms of just making throws kind of in that 10 to 20 yard intermediate range, he's as accurate as they come. And, and uh, with these weapons, I mean, it's going to be really exciting for a franchise. Yeah. That has not made the playoffs in so long. Hasn't really been relevant in so long uh, just for the, you know, the franchise's value. I'm sure it's going to take an uptick just because of this, but in terms of the actual products, yeah, with Bruce Arians, uh, he's got to be a huge winner. against gets a guy like Tom Brady to work with. And yeah, this offense is going to be a lot of fun. I know we talked about it last time more, but the more I think about it, the more excited I am to see Brady, not, in the Patriots system for once to see him actually out on this team with these, all these weapons. I don't know if he's had, you know, outside of maybe, you know, a few years, like the 2007 year where the, the Pats almost went undefeated before losing the Super Bowl. I don't know if he's had like, you know, just the number of weapons or uh, top end receiving talent at least is uh, pretty next level. He obviously had Randy Moss then, but he didn't have like a number two guy really on the level of Chris Godwin, who for a lot of teams would be a number one. So yeah, big winners for them. It's going to be a lot of fun watching that team this year. Yeah, because the Bucks are winners. That means Bruce Arians is a winner. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people, <laughs> I mean, look, we, we talk about Josh McDaniels and all that when it comes to, to the best offensive minds. But I mean, clearly Bruce Arians is right there in that group when you talk about the best you know, guys, offensively, what they get out of their players. We think back of what he did with the Cardinals. I know it didn't end like he wanted it to, but um, mm-hmm. still, when you look at what he's capable of on the offensive side, and that's one of the articles I think we're writing at Clutch Points about, you know, why Aaron's is such a, a great fit for Brady at this mm-hmm. point in his career, and, and I think that's going to be very intriguing to watch and see how that plays out. Um, but uh, when you look at it, I mentioned maybe the Bucks are 1A or 1B. I think you know, in either order, I think you, you have to put the Cardinals in there. Um, there's probably another team that we'll mention in a second that, that's probably very close to, the, to these two. But, I mean, look, when you bring in, you know, you've got a second-year quarterback, <laughs> you can bring in uh, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and, you know, you you basically trade away a contract, like we said, with mm-hmm. David Johnson that we just didn't think it was going to be possible to do. Uh, really, I mean, <laughs> overall, I think this for the Cardinals, I mean, you, you couldn't have asked for a better situation in terms of, bringing in a, a stud wide receiver with, you know, already having, you get Kenyon Drake back too. We got to remember that. Like that's a big part of their offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the Cardinals, I mean, they, they've still got to improve on defense, but offensively, like, I mean, they're set and they've still got Chase Edmonds too. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, the combination of getting rid of that contract while landing one of the three best receivers in the NFL, arguably, it, it, it's a, it's a ridiculous to me, but you know, we're going to get to the losers and talk about, on yeah. Texan side of that, I mean, they they definitely exploited that that situation. I saw one tweet that I forgot who had it, but it was basically saying that the most cold blooded part of it was when Steve Kime was asked back for a fourth round pick after already basically <laughs> robbing the Texans and still was able to get that for next year's draft. So, you know, I I mean, over the course of this uh, that last season, Kyler Murray really progressed and that off started. You know, had some bright spots. Uh, you know, they almost beat the Niners both times they played them. Uh, really good games. Where the offense was doing well against that elite defense so you add in Hopkins uh, as Murray continues to take steps forward I think yeah the Cardinals that we've uh, I know you've said a couple times this podcast that division is not is not going to get any either the the amount of uh, talent I mean yeah the Rams we'll talk about them a little (laughs) bit I think in terms of not being a winner but nonetheless just everyone else in the division it's it's getting really stacked and yeah the Cardinals 
Bills suddenly, yeah, it might be the NFC just overall, man. As the more I think about it, you've got the Bucks now with, with Brady and just yep. like the, maybe the top end talent in the AFC in terms of the Chiefs and Ravens is better. But when I think about the, the depth of the conference in terms of our playoff contenders, the NFC is becoming more and more ridiculous because we have two teams that weren't even close really to making the playoffs. I mean, the Bucks did win seven games, but two teams that weren't really playoff contenders last year that are suddenly, you know, in that conversation in addition to the eight or nine teams that already were. Yeah, in the AFC, you feel like you got a lot of teams in a state of flux. Like you got some that are rebuilding. You've got some that were at the very top that are now going to maybe just kind of move back towards the middle. Um, you know, and, and you've got some of those. I mean, we're going to still look at the Chiefs and the Ravens as as the elite teams. Um, but it's like you feel like you have a lot more of those teams that are trying to get back to that middle versus maybe so many teams trying to get to the top. Like you've just got teams that are trying to race to, to stay in the middle part uh, and not be at the very bottom. So uh, AFC looks a little different, but uh, yeah, the NFC getting stronger. But speaking of the AFC, the other team that I, I maybe would put a little bit behind those two teams and the Bucks and the Cardinals would be the Titans because as we said, I mean, the Titans, they had big decisions to make in terms of their quarterback and running back position. And while we pretty much expected them to get Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry mm-hmm. back, we weren't for sure once you, you had all the Tom Brady rumors, which, again, had they signed Tom Brady's, we'd, we'd still be talking about him as one of the biggest winners. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think for the Titans, to get both of those guys back, to, to keep that you know, intact, that the two guys that were very important in getting you to an AFC title game, uh, I think you have to put the Titans in that winner category, too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, this, uh, like you're saying, I mean, the AFC, there's uh, these teams in flux, but the Titans stay kind of in the – I don't if they don't make the playoffs now I know last year is more of like you know it's been a kind of a joke they're every year they go nine and seven and whatnot but I, I feel like they have expectations now to win that division I know that the Colts and Texans are still going to pose a big threat but uh, yeah keeping that that core together we saw what they were able to do over the second half of the season last year and keeping that going the offensive line still really solid I don't think there's any reason to believe that Tannehill unless he has some sort of injury is going to just you know regress back to some of the uh, times he had in Miami with a completely different system. Uh, and uh, Derek Henry still, I know running backs that how long they're really valuable doesn't seem to be uh, as the, you know, all of them would like in terms of their value for contracts, but nonetheless, Derek Henry, it's still pretty young, still going to be out. There's any question that, uh, it's, this isn't like a Todd Gurley that has some lingering injury and you're worried about him falling off quickly. I think he's still going to be just as elite and uh, being able to keep that all together. I, you know, the defense still not the best. I, I, hopefully, you know, they'll address that a bit more in the draft. But nonetheless, um, I, I, they took a flyer. I think, what was it, Vic Beasley, which he yeah. really hasn't been that good in Atlanta for a while. But uh, overall, I think that's the one place they still need to really address. But, yeah, keeping the top in talent, that's uh, really the biggest thing the Titans are able to do here. Yeah. Yeah, traded Jarrell Casey to the Broncos. Um, you know, you've got guys like that that they're going to have to figure some things out. I mean, they've still got some some holes to fill um, on defense. Uh, you know, you've got the, still the, the Logan Ryan situation. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot, I think, when you look at it. Uh, with the Titans that, that they have to be positive about, you know, after this, at least to this point. Uh, and I would think that in the draft, they definitely go the defensive route because, I mean, we got to remember, too, they got A.J. Brown uh, who broke out last season. Johnny Smith broke out at tight end. Um, so they, they've got, feel like they finally have gotten things figured out on offense. Um, now just have to address some of those needs in defense. Some of the other winners, and we're not going to go through every single NFL team and include them in one of these categories, but um, I think some of the other probably clear-cut winners – um, you would probably put the Saints in there, picking up Emmanuel mm-hmm. Sanders. Um, you know, they brought back some guys uh, in the secondary, too. Malcolm Jenkins coming back. Uh, and then, you know, I put the Browns on here because that's what we were laughing before we came on. It feels like 
it's been forever since the Browns made a move, but that's because pretty much all their moves came very quickly. Um, you know, and, and adding some of the guys they added, uh, you know, you add Case Keenum to the mix, um, which, you know, is in a backup quarterback role, but still, uh, you'd rather have someone like that maybe than the backup situation for other teams. Austin Hooper, the biggest signing, uh, you get a tight end there. I know David Njoku was sort of up and down a bit. Uh, so you now have a, a tight end that you're adding to the mix with OBJ and Jarvis Landry on the field. Uh, that makes the offense more dangerous. Plus, you add Jack Conklin to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. So it does feel like the Browns have to be included in that category, too. You know, the number of uh, you know young quarterbacks that teams are hoping can become franchise quarterbacks that Keenum has now played with or behind or uh, it's, it's just getting ridiculous. It's every <laughs> he's been on so many teams now. I have to go back and look. It seems like every year he's in a new uniform. But I think yeah, I think that's a really big signing for them. Uh, a little bit underrated in terms of value of having that kind of safety net in case uh, Mayfield either you know has injuries, especially with how the offensive line is played. Obviously, adding Conklin will help, but I still think that's something that they need to address more um, before I really think of them as a clear-cut winner. But they did, you know, they did get Conklin addressing that a bit. Austin Hooper adds another weapon, and having that safety net uh, at quarterback, uh, pretty important there. Um, so, yeah, and the Saints, I know we talked a little before about how, you know, they just – for a long time now, uh, it's become kind of a joke about the number of receivers that uh, Drew Brees throws touchdowns to, and there's these guys we've never heard of that are undrafted. He hasn't, outside of Michael Thomas, really had this kind of number two weapon like an Emmanuel Sanders. And, uh, you know, we've seen some guys in the past that have played in the Drew Brees offense and the Sean Payton offense in New Orleans that have really excelled deep down the field. Uh, as much as Emmanuel Sanders has become, in my mind, a pretty elite intermediate uh, receiver to over the middle and everything like that, he still has that deep threat. He's still as as just blazing speed, and uh, really uh, happy to see how well he played last year, coming off that Achilles injury. So for the Saints, a really big one there. A couple of these teams in this middle category, um, maybe not sure yet that we're going to put them as winners or losers. You mentioned the Browns. I think I would lean more towards winners, but they've still mm-hmm. got some needs to address. Um, some of these that maybe are in the middle, and you may have a different clear-cut answer on some of these. I feel like there's <laughs> one specifically you're going to, but um, three teams here. The Falcons, picking up Todd Gurley, Dante Fowler, you know, they, they add those to the mix. I think Gurley's, you know, injury status is going to determine that. So I think there's a lot to be determined with the Falcons. I don't think you can say one way or the other uh, to this point. The Bills getting Stephon Diggs, they gave up a lot for him, um, mm-hmm. but maybe still there. You know, how do you look at that situation? It seemed like that they were in the mix for Melvin Gordon, and we don't know if that was actually true or not. Uh, but you maybe put the Bills in this middle category and then your Los Angeles Rams, which I guess we talked about both your teams here, the Bills and the Rams, um, <laughs> you know, losing Gurley. Um, overall, I mean, Fowler, we mentioned him. I don't think that was unexpected. But from those three teams, how would you maybe categorize uh, those three at this point? Because I think there there may be somewhat in the middle and maybe you move the Rams more towards uh, the losers category than the winners mm-hmm. category. Yeah, I mean, moving on from Gurley probably helps in terms of cap flexibility, but this year they are going to have quite a bit of dead money with that. So I I wish they had, you know, uh, taken advantage of the, you know, what the the Texans were looking for in terms of a a running back on an expensive contract. I would have taken pretty much any pick from them. obviously to just have given them Ty Gurley, but that didn't work out that way. So yeah, I mean, they get Leonard Floyd, which is, I mean, he's not been as elite as he was earlier in his career. I'm not surprised they they, uh, got uh, Clay Matthews um, and now Brandon Cooks in the trade block. He has a pretty expensive contract. I would, yeah, I just wouldn't, I thought they were going to be able to keep either Fowler or Littleton. The fact they lost both kind of hurt and especially Littleton, they really do not have a ton of depth in their linebackers. So losing him, I I thought I've, 
I would have, if I could have, you know, kept it one of the two, it would have been Littleton. Uh, he's losing both. It's just not, uh, not encouraging uh, moving forward. They do have, uh, I'm not as worried in the secondary about some of the younger talent that they have. They'll be able to fill, uh, fill in the, some of the needs there. But um, otherwise, yeah, just the offensive line still is, uh, they have some young guys that need to come together, but they didn't really address that. So we'll see what they do in the draft. But so far, I would not, I would not categorize the Rams as a winner, probably more on the loser side. But for the Bills, I, it was a, a steep price that they gave up for Stefan Diggs. But I think with where that division is right now, being able to kind of capitalize on this moment uh, with Josh Allen's rookie contracts I talked about the last time to, uh, you know, add a guy like Diggs, really try to become an R, you know, going to probably be the favorite in that division. I think the move made sense. They've already really stockpiled a, a lot of young uh, talent with and drafted really well. So I don't think they're going to miss the picks as much as some teams might at this point. So I, I would categorize them as a winner. The Falcons are in the middle I like yeah. between these three teams, like it's for me, it's a clear that it's Bills, Falcons, Rams in terms of the pecking order of uh, how they did here. Uh, yeah, if Todd Gurley can be his old self, then then the Falcons made out very well. Um, whether that would happen, I don't know. I mean, uh, they they had uh, Hayden Hurst with that deal. I think that's interesting to see what how he fills in with Austin Hooper heading out. Um, but I I, yeah, I just want to you know getting a guy like Diggs where you know he's one of the more elite receivers in the NFL and what it means for them in that division. The Falcons, yes, they made some some upgrades, um, but where they really and they especially the pass rush getting Fowler, I think that is a really big move that does make them still a winner. Maybe not on the top tier winners that we're talking about here, um, but I still think and maybe this isn't fair to them, but I think about the division they're in and how just yeah. insanely tough it is. You're gonna have to face Tom Brady twice a year. You're gonna be still facing that Saints machine twice a year. We'll see how the Panthers are, but uh, the Falcons, yeah. And overall, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, the, the conference is just insane. So that also helps the Bills. You have an, more of an opening here, right? Where uh, if the, uh, it's not quite that the bills need to make the playoffs or it's a disappointment like the Titans, but I kind of have those ex expectations at this point for them to be the team to really take advantage of uh, where that division is at this point. Well, we're talking about the biggest winners and losers in the NFL, but I will tell you, you're going to be much more of a winner at bet online because uh, that's where you can have a lot of winning. Uh, and even though there's currently no NBA, NHL or MLB going on, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you would be wrong, and we've said that several times now. Uh, our exclusive partner, uh, Bet Online, still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, uh, or you can just let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. They're all open 24 hours a day. They're all online, uh, including their $750,000 poker series. Yes, $750,000. Uh, or what Dylan gets paid uh, for this podcast. And uh, if you're into props and entertainment betting, uh, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, the stock prices, and even the weather. Uh, you can just visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word, BLUEWIRE. Uh, bet online, your online wagering experts. Um, and Dylan, I think the experts would probably agree that there are some teams uh, not doing so well in free agency. And um, I think some of those teams are really, there's a common link, I think, between the th some of the, probably, I guess, three teams we're going to talk about here uh, when it comes to ones that we probably put in the, uh, you know, not so good category when it comes to what how free agencies unfolded to this point. Uh, we start with the Texans. That's the most obvious one because um, we said it. Uh, we've talked about it since the trade. Uh, Bill O'Brien is just getting crushed. 
and probably rightfully so at this point. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson, we already are looking at the betting odds who think that uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be the Patriots starting quarterback in 2021. Um, so it's clear that uh, people not too excited about uh, where this Texans team is headed right now. And how can you blame them after they trade away uh, DeAndre Hopkins? As we said, they bring in David Johnson, but someone who, you know, we, we know the injury situation, the contract, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your your wide receiver unit is just not anywhere close to what it was, um, you know, this time two weeks ago. And so uh, I just, I mean, again, there's there's no other way to put it. Like the Texans are certainly uh, <laughs> maybe the worst off so far. Uh, if not, you probably put another team right there with them, and we'll talk about them in a second. Yeah, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. They're going to do everything they can to keep yeah. him as long as possible with franchise tags if he doesn't sign any sort of long-term deal. But I I just feel bad for him. I mean, you you lose your one of the best receivers in the NFL again. And what that does for their offense, their offensive line has improved a bit last year, but it's still not, it's still, uh, still not an elite unit by any means. And I think about not having that safety net what that's going to do for him. I mean, yeah, regardless of what David Johnson does, I mean, they still had some pretty productive play from the running backs last year. I, I, it's just none of it makes sense, but it's even worse when you think about how much the, the Vikings got for Stefan Diggs in that trade, yep. as well as the fact that no one was going to trade for Todd Gurley. They could have, like, they, they, I, don't, I don't know. I just feel like they really, really, I don't know if they panicked, but they moved so quickly. Like, they, I don't know how you don't have uh, this is what happens when your general manager is uh, basically a coach, and we, we've you know we've we've kind of laughed about some of the other moves that they've made in the past, but this one's on uh, this one's on a different level in terms of just universally being hated. Uh, a lot of Texans fans this past week, everyone working from home for the most part, has had a lot of time to go on social media, and they've kind of it's become like a trend where almost every tweet the team has now is getting ratioed with replies of angry uh, fans. <laughs> it's been kind of hilarious, and I you got to feel for those fans too. I mean, what. Like they're frustrated. I, I mean, you, you take for granted sometimes when you're a fan of a team of just a well-run organization, even if it's not a championship-winning one constantly, but a team that you know you can understand the moves. You're not pissed off yeah. by decisions like this. But this is—it's crazy. I don't know, uh, and they what they're thinking they're gonna. If I you know it's a deep receiving class, we'll see who they draft. But DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, you. I just, if you're going to trade him, it just felt like they should have gotten so much more. And, uh, you know, taking on the David Johnson contract, as we talked about, just adds another layer of pain for them. Well, Bill O'Brien, Bill Belichick disciple, um, was with the Patriots. And uh, there's another one of those guys out there that uh, also hasn't necessarily had a good uh, free agency period to this point. And that is, I think, Matt Patricia, the head coach of the Lions. And um, not only does do they end up, you know, trading Darius Slay, which we talked about, I think, on the previous podcast or the one before that, um, how Slay was pretty much making it clear he was going to get traded, and then he winds up getting traded uh, to the Eagles. But it's not just that; it's the fact that I mean, Matt Patricia is just getting blasted not only by Slay but by other people on Twitter. Um, you know, former player. I think there was someone I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember seeing the thread. Um, about a former player just saying different things about Matt Patricia. Um, and we said, you know, it was weird because we thought the Lions were getting better last season. Matthew Stafford injury, you know, that didn't help. But I, I don't know. Like, you wonder, you know, even if you look at the Lions roster at this point, they don't have any of these moves to just jump out at you. Uh, but it's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, is that becoming a bigger problem in the fact that are there a lot of people in that locker room um, you know, that, that feel the same way as Darius Slay, uh, because if that's the case, uh, you've, you've got a bigger problem on your hands than just free agency at this point. 
yeah, the fact that they're not really doing anything to improve when, you know, early in the year they had some promising games, but overall still not standing out. We look at the rest of the division, maybe the Bears, Vikings, I'm not sure how they're all, both those franchises are going to play, but the Packers still clearly, I mean, even though they weren't maybe as good as 13-3, and three, probably more 11-5 and five team, they're still the, the class that division. The lines, you feel like there's an opportunity uh, here, and, you know, Stafford's not getting any younger, and they're not doing anything to really improve. It's kind of... <laughs> Poor Lions fans. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game in so long, let alone even made it that many times. And then just the organization, it's a product of what they've done for so long, having someone like Matt Patricia and just sticking with him through. I mean, I know there's, you don't always want to be the team that fires a guy after one one year, even two years, but the thing, the, the amount of <laughs> negative, uh, just the amount of negativity coming out, coming out of there right now in terms of not just these players uh, t- speaking up, but overall, I, I it's, it's brutal, man. And uh, it's, these franchises are sticking with Bill O'Brien. They're sticking with Matt Patricia. Why? I don't know. I get like maybe he's great when he talks to the owners, and that uh, is not really what an owner should be thinking about. They should be thinking about how their players feel. And it's it's pretty insane to have, you know, even even not just like yeah, the stuff about him belittling Darius Slay or uh, how he's belittled. I think there was a story about on Johnson, right, where yeah. he was – uh, had to was like punished uh, for not knowing when Ford Field was built. Like that kind of crap makes no sense. It doesn't help uh, build a culture that's positive anyway. Yeah, we're talking about previous Bill Belichick guys. These guys are maybe trying a little too hard to be exactly like Bill. Whereas we we see, I know Mike Vrabel didn't coach under Bill, but played for him. And then yeah. uh, Ryan Flores. These guys are more of themselves, and they're you see uh, you know, even though the Dolphins. Or still the Dolphins, they you know improved and seems to be that everyone really loves playing for Brian Flores. Everyone seems to love for playing for Vrabel, but these two guys, not only are they uh, involved in decisions that just don't make sense, really, but they're also not building cultures that are going to really sustain. And you worry about where those franchises are going to be one when the wreckage is actually done, and those guys are ultimately not there anymore. Yeah, oh, boy, who knows? That's just uh, I guess that that Nick Saban guy is doing okay for himself too, but some of these guys, as we said, um, struggling a bit when it comes to. Uh, being off of the uh, the Belichick tree. Speaking of which, uh, here we are having to talk about the New England Patriots in the uh, and not even in the biggest winners category. We're on the flip side for them because, I mean, there's no other way to put it. We talked about with the Bucks. I mean, landing Tom Brady, whoever landed him was going to be the winner. Uh, whoever did not land him, you know, was going to be one of the losers. And and I think the Patriots certainly are. When you think about it, because now we're looking at the Patriots quarterback situation and, um, you know, it's I mean, they picked up Brian Hoyer. That's and that's not a knock on Brian Hoyer. It's just he's not Tom Brady. And I think, you know, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what that quarterback battle looks like this year uh, with him there and Jarrett Stidham, like we said. Um, But I mean, overall for the Patriots and, and another thing, too, I guess we have to think about it this way. Like they really haven't, they haven't added those weapons on offense. Like I mean, there's no like that's what we were thinking. I guess if they were going to make the move for Brady, they were going to add some of these weapons, mm-hmm. but they haven't done that. Um, you know, they they lose their kicker, Stephen Goskowski. Um, <laughs> they released him, so there's there's another offensive weapon that's gone. Uh, maybe it is. I, I think. Well, and I don't think it's even maybe at this point. I think it's pretty clear that this is sort of that. Um, you know, this is that changing of the guard. And I'm not saying that as mm-hmm. though the Patriots won't be able to win games, but I think it's the Patriots themselves looking at this and realizing, okay, this is probably where things start to turn the corner and we we rebuild our franchise. Um, I think it's pretty clear by some of the moves they're making that that's where they're headed. Yeah, they can rebuild on the fly still. They still have a ton of talent on defense and pieces that are going to be there, I think, when they start 
potentially winning again in a couple of years. But I, yeah, I just don't think this year that's going to be the case. Uh, you know, yeah, skill position wise. So what, whoever's playing quarterback there at this point, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, unless they do something dramatic to trade up, um, you know, maybe they, like we said, trade for someone like Derek Carr, but I still don't, I don't know if that's really realistic. Uh, yeah, it seems, I know I was joking last time, that maybe there was that whole thing about them possibly tanking for Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I still think their, their defense is going to be too good for them to to lose a ton of games. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, Bill Belichick. I mean, he's just so established there. It's not an issue of, uh, you know, he, he doesn't worry about if they aren't going to win this next year. He's more worried about winning Super Bowls ultimately. So how do they get to that point? It's probably going to take a little bit of time. And trying to just, you know, patchwork, uh, you know, fill this roster, I don't think it's going to be worth it. And I think Bill Bill's smart enough to realize that because you really need uh, to get past some of the, the top end teams in the AFC and even to win that division. It's it's not going to be insanely easy if you don't have someone under center who you really trust. So we'll see whether they yeah make a deal or if it's just looking ahead to 2021 at this point. I don't know. There's just I get a sense they're going to try to make a trade for, in this draft. Although, like you said, they could be waiting for Trevor Lawrence, but. But I don't, and then again though, like we, I mean, the division it's tougher, but it's not, you know, it's still not to the point to where we, you know, we don't think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs next season. We don't still don't. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't trust the Jets. Um, yeah. The Bills are are clearly, you know, probably right there with the Patriots. Whether you mm-hmm. know, you move the Bills in front of them, I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> yeah, so like I, I don't know. I maybe they don't. Maybe they feel like they're okay and, and they'll be able to get by. But. Who knows? And like we said, though, I mean, the AFC is the weaker of the conferences, so maybe, uh, maybe they can get. Yeah, by. I mean, they still can get in the playoffs uh, with what they have, and you know, if they draft one of these top end receivers, they get a quarterback that maybe not Derek Carr, but someone kind of on a mid tier level. They're still, yeah, they still, you know, a ten and six season or whatever isn't really out of the question. But what, you know, is that really the the ultimate goal? That's where I wonder how much they would consider possibly trying to rebuild more than maybe uh, just kind of doing this on the fly. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I guess quickly to wrap it up, we talked about some of the teams. As we said, I know we're forgetting some of them, like the Cowboys. They're probably a big winner just because they got you know their two big two best players back arguably um you know those are the obvious ones i think that they make it pretty clear players wise i mean i think there are some that that we can just kind of throw throw out here in this group uh cam newton i think his situation um not great in terms of maybe what's next for him um you know melvin gordon even though he signed with the broncos people have pointed out you know the holdout obviously he didn't get the money uh, probably he was expecting uh Jadavion Clowney maybe very similar um you know Jameis Winston it's clear he's probably going to be a backup at this point not going to have a starting job uh, and then Robbie Anderson maybe the the most I don't know weirdest of the bunch um when you think about uh, where he's at right now in terms of uh, his situation uh, some of the players you know again there are probably others but but those are probably the biggest ones that stand out yeah, I, uh, you know, I think for the receiving wise for Robbie Anderson, I'm happy for Sanders. He's able to get his deal. But I think it, as we've talked about, it seems to be the consensus. It's really the the confidence in how strong this upcoming draft is, the depth at wide receiver. So that, that definitely hurts his value um, in terms of quarterback play. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised Cam uh, isn't being a little regarded more, even if there's these concerns about injuries, we know what he can do when he's healthy and just having that, that possibility, maybe, I mean, at this point, it's probably the pants trying to hold out for a little bit more in a trade, but hopefully for Cam, he ends up with a team that values what he's able to do. Um, a little less confident about Jameis. We'll see where he's up. Yep. Um, I, I still think he could be a decent backup option. I mean, it's not like, 
Uh, we'll see. You know, he got hit that surgery with his eyes, so maybe won't be throwing so many picks in 2020. But <laughs> nonetheless, I it's it is surprising that he hasn't. Uh, to me, uh, found at least a team that will take him on as a backup. Maybe he was holding out for more money than you know uh, uh, worthy of a starting quarterback. But I uh, just have to be realistic about it at this point. It's not you're not going to. I think he needs to look more towards 2021. Put himself in a situation with a better franchise, maybe um, where he's really not going to have a, a much of a possibility outside of an injury to play in 2020. But look ahead, try to build towards the, the following year and seeing if there's opportunities at that point. Because otherwise, I don't really know what he's looking to do. Yeah, the Jameis thing is interesting because, I mean, you're telling me that, that the Steelers wouldn't like to have, you know, Jameis Winston instead of, um, you know, what they have at backup or even, I mean, think Doc about Hodges. this. Oh, the disrespect. That well, does. and listen, I mean, think about the Falcons here. Like, I'm telling you, like, every time Matt uh-huh. Schaub comes on the TV screen, I forget. I'm like, are you serious? Like, is Matt Schaub still playing in the NFL? Um, and, and again, I have nothing against Matt Schaub, but it's like literally every time I see him in a game, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I feel like he was playing in 98 um, because it just feels like he's been in the league for so long. And I'm like, you're telling me the Falcons, um, you know, wouldn't be able to, to maybe bring in Jameis in case uh, Matt Ryan uh, gets hurt or something. I don't know. But like I said, a lot of it has to do with money too. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you just, yeah, I don't know. Some of these situations, and, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And Mel, I mean, Melvin Gordon, just touch on that real quick. I, I thought he made out fine with what his ultimate deal was. Yes. In hindsight, uh, we're realizing kind of, like even with Le'Veon Bell, uh, it didn't really pay off for these running backs, and it's unfortunate for uh, the you know the position given how grueling it is. But it's just the it's we've talked about you know probably too many times at this point how there's just too many guys that can play the running back position well in the NFL. There's just so many dudes, and when you have that kind of supply, it just it's going to drive down the demand. So it's pretty simple economics. Um, hopefully, more guys realize that they should you know take certain deals, uh, realizing what the value might actually be, come to terms with what it is. Stop, you know, as Melvin Gordon even probably would admit at this point, he should have just taken what was there previously. But I still think he made out all right, and that's probably you know the the two year sixteen million dollar figure is probably right around where you're going to find these running backs that aren't you know maybe yeah. the best in the NFL but are still a top ten running back. You I guess you could argue uh, maybe that's kind of where the dollar figure is going to sit at uh, moving forward. Yep, we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, there's another team that could be interesting with Drew Locke uh, under center. Looked pretty good uh, in his first. Uh, starts in the NFL. We'll see how the Broncos make out there uh, in that division moving forward. But uh, that'll wrap it up. Uh, Dylan, as we said, we've got a lot of uh, stuff going on over Clutch Points. Uh, a ton. Keeping up with all this free agency stuff. Um, let everybody know where they can find all that. Yeah, you can go to clutchpoints.com under the NFL section for all you know, all the rumors, all the news, all the updates on free agency. We'll start putting out some more uh, draft stuff. We've already done a couple mock drafts, but we'll probably do some more uh, post-free agency. We'll uh, do some more team-specific looks at what teams really need to uh, start to target and uh, going into the draft, what might be available where they have picks. So all that NFL doc, or, uh, um, NFL section under clutchpoints.com, also in our app with no games at the moment, unfortunately, NBA side or MLB side, but you can still read all of our news, all of our editorials, everything in there. So uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone sticking around and yeah, hopefully uh, NFL news will continue to give us something to talk about, not just on this podcast, but overall in the sports world because otherwise, yeah, it's been a pretty murky last couple weeks here we have to get to our, our way too early fantasy football look ahead too uh, as we know that uh, you can talk about that year around so we'll see uh, but yes lots of great stuff over clutch points be sure to check all that out and uh, subscribe to the podcast and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time here on the establish the past podcast